You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. This is a special episode. I was recently on the County Line podcast. That is uh, Mr. Lee Smith's podcast, co-host with him is Ethan. Uh, Daniel Sharp invited me down to Philadelphia for the weekend. Uh, we would go on this podcast, and later that evening, we would play a show on at the Neshoba County Fairgrounds on Daniel's porch. Um, if you would, go to countylinepodcast.com, uh, rate and review the show. They're on Apple and Podcasts. Rate and review this one if you have it. Thanks so much, and here's the show. Rolling on my end. All right, here we go. Let us pause in life's pleasures and count its many tears while we all suffer sorrow with the poor. There's a song that will linger forever through our years. Oh, hard times come again no more. Tis the song, the sigh of the weary Hard times, hard times Come again no more Many days you have lingered Around my cabin door Oh, hard times Come again no more While we seek mirth and beauty And music light and gay there are frail forms fainting at the door. Though their voices are silent, their pleading looks will say, Oh, hard times come again no more. Tis the song, the sigh of the weary. Hard times, hard times come again no more. Many days we have lingered all around our cabin's door. Oh, hard times come again no more. Tis the song, the sigh of the weary. Fair times, fair times come again once more. Many days we've all lingered around these cabin doors. Oh, fair times come again once more. Oh, fair times 
him again once more. Oh, fair times come again once more. Oh, fair times come again once more. Welcome back, Mr. Daniel Sharp. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be back here. We've also got Alan Aldridge here with us. How uh, goes it? It's a pleasure to be here. Good to have you, man. Good to have you. Yeah, man. Glad to have you. I'm going um, to so, readjust my mic real quick. Absolutely. So uh, that song, Daniel, did, was it your intention for it to be applicable to someone who doesn't even know about the Neshoba County Fair? Um, because it very well could apply to any human. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it w- was actually was not my intention for it to be really anything uh, like that. But uh, it, this is a public domain song. Oh, is it? Yeah, and, and I reworked quite a few of the words in it uh, in many places where I have marks, and including I put the uh, fair times part on the end there, which uh, directly speaks to the Neshoba County Fair. Right, right. And uh, <clears throat> But yes, this song is a... It uh, works on a whole lot of levels, and uh, it just happened to work on the level of the fair, and it pretty much said a whole lot about about it, you know, about getting ready for the fair and uh, lingering around the cabins and cabin doors, and uh, fair times come again once more. We're ready, you know. It's a song we sing for the weary. Absolutely. Um, Alan, you good? Good to go? Yeah, I'm in there. All right, so Alan's been here with us as well recording uh, and getting that performance captured by Daniel Sharp. So we're getting the the technical aspects worked out, but I think we're almost there. We've also got Ethan Carter. Some might know him as LaMichael Sam Carter James III, a very evangelical Christian he is. And um, he is joining us today as well. So glad to have all of y'all with us uh, here at the county line. I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to talking with y'all, getting some some perspective and also some insight and information, um, Daniel, for you specifically behind some of what the things you've got shaking and moving in the in the music world and your music world. And uh, Alan, learn a lot about you know your your history as a podcaster and mm-hmm. the origin story behind that. We talked briefly about it last night. Yeah. Um, so got a lot of things to cover. And then Mr. LaMichael, we will touch on your uh, creative process as well. Uh, if you would so uh, choose to bless us with your knowledge. Uh, I will. I will. Good to have me. Yes. Stay up. <laughs> stay up to that, uh, Mike. No. Yeah, because you I got, got, the, you. You got the, the, the old schools. Well, if, if you don't mind, let me first touch on Mr. Dame Sharp here and uh, the performance he just put on. Let's tip, our, tip of the cap to him. Uh, he never uh, lacks short of the soul he puts in there, and I sure do appreciate it. And it's good to see you. It's nice to meet you. Uh, I'm about to take a dump up in here. <laughs> well, that's what we're looking for. Just so long as you brought air freshener. Just so long as you brought air freshener. All right. If you uh, and we don't we don't need none of that uh, that school toilet paper. Yeah, no, I'm gonna keep that. Got to bring the Charmin. You got to so, bring the Charmin out. We just go tile if we got to go that route. <laughs> Get on up there on her now. There's a there's a there's a story behind that. That's so. Hey, move that. Tilt that back if you need to. The there you go if you need to. I don't know if you want to share the. No, I'm going to leave you hanging. (laughs) That's fair. Let's just let it stand. Okay, as it stands (laughs) is how it is. (laughs) I'm going to take a dump up in here. The score's been settled. 
Daniel, what uh, what you got going as far as your music uh, career and aspirations and projections go? In other words, what am I doing now? Yeah, no, I was about to say, uh, for for those who heard the first episode, they've got a little bit of a backstory. Uh, but those that may have not, give them an update on some of the things you got going. All right, it's like this: I'm creating music. I'm writing music. I'm uh, playing music. Um, I'm doing that. And as far as uh, getting it into a fixed format, you know, I do have a project going with uh, a friend that's an engineer. And I got, I don't know, we probably got 12 or 13 songs finished. But uh, I got a whole bunch more. We're trying to wrap that up. And so musically speaking, for me, I'm, I'm just creating art and uh i haven't played a whole lot live i had the privilege of playing at allen's uh porch fest um, a couple months ago and uh i play locally and I, I i get little gigs here and there you know get invitations and i take a lot of those and uh it's uh most people got a lot more to say but you know in the last few years i've really uh re- like been behind the wire so to speak my own wire at my island and uh so I do that and I create and I just try to keep it steady and get life out of every breath. Yeah, that's a very good approach. I try to do the same thing. Sometimes easier said than done um, to, to be able to stay focused on that, you know, making sure that we utilize every breath that we have in the most effective way possible, you know. Um, but I think having an outlet like music, I would imagine, uh, is – a avenue for you to be able to go down that road and, and really recognize enjoying uh, every breath that you have because you enjoy doing that thing so much. Is that fair Fair to say? It absolutely is. And uh, it's enjoyment. And, you know, for me, I don't know about other musicians, but I kind of do. Uh, it's something that you, you do because you have to, you know, pretty much. I mean, you need to. Have to is a, not a good way to put it because you need to mm-hmm. to do this, to fulfill whatever the thing is in all of us that seems to need fulfilling to give our life's purpose, meaning and uh, forward motion. And, you know, you see people not doing something and they're just, you know, they're not doing nothing. Maybe it's just because they're not doing what they are really meant to do or what at least they're meant to do it for their own soul anyway. So, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm doing my art because I need to. And it's always been that way. And, you know, many of the other parts of a conventional life fall to that. So that's, I'm no exception to the rule. But uh, to, to, in the situation I'm in, you know, my life, how it is, to be able to create, write, play, record my art, you know, most of the time is a, a real, it's a real blessing, you know, to use that word. If, if you want to use it, you know, the universe has blessed me with uh, the opportunity. And for most of my life, I've had the opportunity to do music. And, uh, you know, I paint and I write fiction and I do all kinds of other things, but music is the primary thing. And so what I'm specifically doing about my music is, uh, you know, I've got some trademark stuff going and I've got some uh, internet stuff that I'm working with and some places I want to put the music. And this is all new music I'm talking about. But also, uh, you know, me and David Lauderdale had 
several CDs, several records, and I'm looking at getting all that content out and available for whatever, you know, whoever wants to hear it, buy it, whatever. And when will that, when will that occur? Do you know? Yeah. It, see, that's the thing. That could happen any day because all that work's done with me and David, and I've got it. All i got to do is put it up. So, uh, you know, why don't I do it? I don't know. Sometimes uh, I'm playing guitar and writing songs instead of doing that, and other times I'm hoeing tomatoes. You see what I'm saying? What I was telling Stu before he left about uh, him and Daniel's uh, stage in their music career right now is very similar. Very similar. And I will say, I just to add what you were talking about, you know, performing live earlier, uh, you, the public got did a disservice with that because we miss you and you put on a hell of a live show. And for the people who have not seen Mr. Dan Sharp out there, <laughs> hey, my man, and you can get him fired up too. You can, you can get him getting down in there now. You can ag him on. He, he'll he'll <laughs> let it rip. Yeah, you told a story about <laughs> the first time you saw, uh, at least you saw me and David as all around hounds uh, at a particular uh, place earlier before the mics were hot. And uh, I said, yeah, I remember that show. Uh, it was having to be one of those uh, private shows that, uh, and it just happened like that afternoon, you know, we got the call and stuff. And it was a little shed, like a rusted tin top shed <laughs> behind us with, uh, you know, perfect. I mean, just perfect. <clears throat> we threw the PA right in front of it. There was power there, you know. I don't remember if it was probably not a generator. I don't know. We played through tons of generators. But, yeah, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> that show had a lot of highlights. <clears throat> Still haven't said where it's at, but that's okay because some things need to be remain a mystery. That's right. The live shows have you uh, have you picked that back up? Not really. I mean, I've, I've talked about picking it back up. Um. <clears throat> yeah, can I ask you how much? Like when you're performing live, how much is that um, the fans' interaction, like you know them rooting you on type thing, or influence your? performance so it 100 percent influences the entire show depending on the audience participation or the lack of participation like if you know somebody's bought in it's got to be an awesome feeling like if you know if, if someone i see that someone anyone it can be one is really into interested in it and really listening and appreciating the show will go up 10 levels immediately and the selections of songs will change completely <laughs> whole different vibe yep I would imagine having never performed anything other than sports, uh, I would imagine feedback from the crowd definitely determines where you're going to go with the set list, where you're going to go with what songs you perform. Uh, There may be different quirks or uh, things that you put into a performance in certain situations when you have certain crowds that you may not necessarily do when you have uh, a crowd on the opposite end of the spectrum. So, that's an interesting dynamic. I hear comics talk about that a lot, about how you know the the personality of the crowd as a collective sometimes indicates what material they'll throw out there, depending upon how the crowd reacts to what it is that they're saying. Do you do you experience that, Alan? And just imagine, like, just with the comic, a heckler. That's a really good thing for them. Sometimes it can be for their worse, or it can be for their better, because a lot of times they'll be able to play a couple of jokes off that. Uh, heckler mm-hmm. like uh, Andrew uh, Schultz, like some of his best routine clips on YouTube, is because someone heckled, and he just he owned that moment uh, with a live performance. I, I work, I write a lot of folk music like Daniel, mm-hmm. and I'm also in a band called Cosmic Gravy, and um, we're like a bluesy rock 
jam band. And so there's a lot of uh, a lot of folks getting out there and shaking their ass, having a good time. Right, as they should. Yeah. And so that really fuels what I'm doing with that band. When I see that, I know I'm doing my job. On a solo set, just me by myself and my guitar, sometimes, man, I want an intimate room. Playing outside in the outside venue, it can be really difficult because it's kind of hard to gauge that that room, that vibe. If it's an intimate setting, I'm in control. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Where uh, where are you and your band based out of from? So Cosmic Gravy is uh, Matt Mason and I are in Starville. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Savile is here in Philadelphia. And we have Mr. Hunter Bur- Burrell uh, fronting it, and he is out of Lauderdale. Lauderdale, Mississippi? That's right. Look at there. How did y'all... Uh... How'd y'all come together? So uh, through my podcast, I met Philip Sable. I reached out to him on social media, invited him on my show. And I drove to his house here in Philadelphia. We sat down. We hit it off. About a month or two down the road, I get a message from him asking if I'd play bass for him in his uh, blues band, Groove Johnson. We did. So me, Matt, and Philip are Groove Johnson. And then Cosmic Gravy, as you add, Hunter. Uh-huh. And they had already had Cosmic Gravy going a little bit after Groove Johnson. And they had another bassist, but it wasn't really working out for him. Mm-hmm. So when it was time for him to move on, they asked me to come be a part of it. I see. So now you have like a Cosmic Gravy, Groove Johnson. It's a little special little thing. Do y'all, uh, do y'all perform often? Yeah, uh, we're on a tour right now, so... Um, Next Saturday, we'll be in Natchez at Natchez Bruin. And then uh, the following weekend, we'll be in Ocean Springs. What led you to starting the podcast? And let people know what, what it is, what the name of it is, and where they can find it. I guess it's on all platforms. Oh, absolutely. Spotify, Apple. Uh, I have a couple of my video interviews that I've done over Skype on YouTube. Uh, you can look my name up, Alan Aldridge, or Porch Talk. The logo is my face in neon. And I'm wearing these aviators, and it says porch talk on the shades. I saw it this morning. I looked at it. Yeah. And so um, just the origin of it, I had lived out on the coast in Mobile for seven years, and I was studying at the University of Mobile, intercultural studies, like missions. I was really into missions at the time. I finished up that degree. Of, I was married, and everything was going great. We were preparing. I was getting my master's for mission work. I was studying uh, translation, and uh, my home life fell apart. Uh, my wife left, and so the ministries that uh, I was planning to work with didn't want to work with me anymore because of that reason. And so I, I fought for about six months down there in Mobile, was making it, was having a real hard time. Now, uh, my grandmother uh, was having a real hard time with losing her husband. And the last time I went home, about two weeks later, I would move back because I wanted to be with her and try to keep her alive. And so I moved back to my hometown in Kennedy, and I was catching up with guys I hadn't seen in seven years. Similar to this, we would be on a porch, someone would have a guitar, and we would talk about just something real. And I thought we had something. So a podcast was born. We'd play a little music. We'd have a little talk. And then we'd play one more song. Did you have any aspirations prior to that point in your life of 
creating a podcast or doing any form of audio production outside of music? No. And Porch Talk has grown because I never thought it was going to get off my porch. And then people started listening to the show. And they would send a Facebook message or just a DM on some social media. Have you heard of so-and-so? So I started, like, my first off-the-porch interview, I interviewed a guy named Colin Crager, huge real estate guy. And then through our conversation and the interview, he realized that I was a music fanatic. And he was like, do you know Jamie Nettles? She runs a house show called The Sunstroke House right in downtown Columbus. Mississippi. Uh, mm -hmm. A gym. What's it called? The Sunstroke House. I, I used to live in Columbus. Yeah, and it's right downtown with all those antebellum homes. And she was having this talent from all over the nation that had no business in Columbus. And she was having them come into Columbus. I'm talking like uh, Sean James, if you're familiar, of Erica Winnerstrom of the Heartless Bastards. Of Man, of she's had... It was kind of ironic because they're divorced now, but the Civil War. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you Civil about. Wars. Mm -hmm. She had uh, the man. Of, I can't think of his name. Is John? Is that right? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, anyway, he's a Grammy winner. <laughs> he's looking at me. You can't see this on the radio, but I can't remember who this, so I'm just not saying it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's. But anyway, I, about lying, I was like, I'm like, no, that's not true. She, she, had, she had a. He's a Grammy winner. She had a Grammy winner yeah. play at her house, you know, and so I stepped in there interviewed her, and then I started interviewing these musicians, and then the podcast started to kind of turn into a music podcast where I would travel to the musician's house, sit down with them in their living room, our porch, and we would talk about them, their music, and how music got into their life. So you put out two episodes a week? Mm -hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays most of the time, that's right. Do you do it in a seasonal <clears throat> format, or is it just perpetual? Every it's Tuesday, Thursday? Perpetual. Yeah. That's a. You're the first person I've met in my general vicinity, proximity, that has an independent podcast. Uh, and I'm grateful to Daniel for linking us up because it's good to have uh, peers, mm -hmm. regardless of what industry it is, regardless of, of what the endeavor is, to be able to have someone to bounce ideas off of, to have want someone to look to for mm -hmm. as as an encouragement, uh, because you understand the the goal of podcasting and having things in conversation format and audio and and all those different things. Um, but for lack of a better phrase and a better way to put it, it it helps in the loneliness of the pursuit. Yeah, sure. Because you know somebody else is out there that recognizes what you recognize generally, and that they're after a similar goal. Uh, it, it builds momentum for the the group of people as a whole that are trying to podcast or play music or play sports or whatever. When you have that connectivity and that network, it's encouraging. So I want to say thank you for putting your neck out there, sticking with it. You know, you're at like f almost 400 episodes now. I saw that's right. This morning. Yeah, that's right. Is what, it, and it'll be four years old in August. What is uh what has contributed to the growth? Uh, of your of your, the podcast and porch talk over the years, do you attribute it to uh, social media? Do you attribute it to uh, the sharing of the content by listeners? Uh, those can be the same thing, I realize, but 
just give me some some pointers on those where you things, saw the most growth. Those things and the guests. I think the guests is the most important. And then when I make that social media post sharing about who I had on, their friends and their fans are going to tune in. And then it begins to bounce around social media like a ping pong ball. Who who has been the hardest hitting guest? Like when you had them on, your fucking downloads skyrocketed. Ham Bagby. Who's Ham Bagby? He's a singer songwriter out of uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, he hit the Tuscaloosa scene almost 15 years ago, and there's a great dive bar called Egan's, and. It wasn't exactly a residency, but he got to play there quite a bit, and he started putting on this thing called the Ham Ham Jam Jam, and it went on for, I want to say, seven years. And it was pretty much just different iterations of bands that he had been in in the past, and it was like it was kind of all about Ham and like all the different iterations over the years, and it was a very cool event that happened every year at this dive bar. And... He just dropped his album two days ago. It's called All Filler, No Killer. <laughs> but every song on it is a killer. And so, like, one of the opening tracks, he shared it. If you want to get involved with Ham Bagby, he's uh, shared two songs with off the off these mics. Is uh, One of them is probably my favorite song that he has, and it's something that I relate to. And, I mean, we're doing a good job here with this. 32-ounce bush is drinking PBRs with my dumbass friends. <laughs> Easter egg. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, the, the podcasting analytics and marketing and... And it, it's never... Uh, but, like, I've had, like, really famous people on the show, like Sean James. That was a big deal. And that episode didn't perform well until it was out for a whole year, and mm. then people started finding it. I've had Jimmy Duck Holmes from the Blue Front Cafe in Bentonia. Cool. That was a great episode, but it really didn't do anything until it was out for about three Did you months. do it from the Blue Front Cafe? Mm-hmm. Right there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And that was before he was nominated for a Grammy. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I heard, I was listening to a podcast with uh, the Black Keys. They were with Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. and I saw a, a snippet uh, of that interview, and they they mentioned... Blue Front Cafe being being an influence and going and going to the what's the festival they have? It's uh, the Bentonia Blues, Bentonia Blues yeah, Festival. Fiftieth anniversary this year in June. Groove Johnson will be playing it on the eighteenth. That's Saturday. Cool. Just throwing that out there. Right on our doorstep. <laughs> Indeed, it is. Um, him saying ham ham jam jam made me think of our ham jam, and then it made me think of <laughs> well maybe. Ham figured out that we had the ham jam, and he called his the double ham, double jam. <laughs> <laughs> so that led yeah. me. That I, was, led I was like, me. I was like, he's mispronouncing our our stuff. Like at first, yeah. that's what I thought. Whoa, it's he's like, jam. what's better than a ham jam? <laughs> ham, ham, jam, jam. Double ham, double jam. <laughs> ham square, jam square. Yeah. Where do we? Ham plus one. Jam where plus does that? One. Where does that stand in Philadelphia? The ham jam. Have we? Did we have it this year? I don't. I don't think we had it this year. Scoot up to the mic a little bit for me, please, yeah. Daniel. I don't think we had it this year. But is that uh, is that put on by the Arts Council or the Chamber of Commerce, or do you have any idea who's that, who that's put on by? Um, it's put on by the like the community development. Yeah, uh, the people at the depot down there. Yeah, if, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, you know, and I could be, but I, I think that I believe that they put it on. I don't. Obviously, we had. Uh, coronavirus and all that so we know why we didn't have it those 
years, year or years. But uh, those are things that are so vital to the health of a community. Yeah, Hat Jam's fun. You know, I look forward it, to it every year. And absolutely. I, I kind of think since we had these last couple of years of uh, shutdown and all that, that maybe that might have held it up a little bit. But, you know, that's all right. It's, but it's, it was consistent for a while. Like the Ham Jam, when did the Ham Jam start? What year do you think it started? I'd say probably 05-ish, give or take. And so what is what is the Ham Jam? Is this for for Philadelphia musicians come together and put it on for the Most, community? Mostly, lots of local musicians. And then maybe somebody from out of town will come in for a, a late night slot, you know. Some, okay. Some and there's a barbecue aspect of it. There's a run associated yes. with it. It's a community festival. It, it, it's a barbecue competition. Oh, okay. Oh, there's the ham. It needs to make a return just for the, the betterment of the On top community. of a you know, a festival with vendors and yeah and music stages and so like, run, you know. I I'm from Kennedy, Alabama, small town. It's about if you're familiar with Columbus, Mississippi, it's just across the state line. I grew up hearing about the Neshoba County Fair. Uh, so but I had never heard of this. So I don't guess it's it's no, to, it's no, totally no. different. Well, it's, it's it's just yeah, it's a totally different thing. Unrelated, Neshoba County Fair obviously yeah, is where really nothing like the fair. I mean, mm, no. no, and what and you know once we're now that we're talking about the fair, it's a nice segue. I want to hear your perspective <laughs> of the fair. Uh, Alan came and played first Friday last week at the Pavilion, and I would like, and that's his first time, first day. Only day to this date at the fair. That's true. So, uh, what? Tell me from your perspective. What did you think when you showed up at the fairgrounds and saw how it was and what was happening there? Man, it was magic. Of, I mean, I had grew up hearing about this, and I'm driving down with Matt Mason from Starville down here to Philly, and he grew up in Philadelphia, and he grew up going to the fair, and so the whole ride down here, he was just. All the awe and wonder of all these years of him growing up and doing this and what it meant to be able to play it. The legend. Yeah. And then right when I see the fairgrounds and I see all the cars, I'm seeing all the people, and I'm like, oh, we're about to have a ball. And uh, great musicians. I think this was – is that your day where you get to kind of pick who's who's who? I assist with the booking of the Pavilion Acts on the Friday with a number of other people. And – uh I, yeah, I have the privilege of helping out with that. So, uh, and so I, I do. I, I'm going to read the list here in a little while of that Friday, but Fair Friday. But the talent uh, that day, man, it was. I got to pick a few of the acts, and you know, three last year, I think, were my picks. What does that process look like? It's nothing really structured, but we've been doing it for over a decade. So, well, first thing we do when we get the word that it's time to do a schedule as if, you know, someone from the fair has asked us again, and we hope that we get asked back every year. But after the fair is over, as y'all know, it's gone for a while. And after sometime in the springtime, you'll hear back, Hey, it's, you guys want to pick some acts, you know? So, uh, the guild, you know, helps, uh, facilitate the acts. We don't choose like go around and pick who we want. We facilitate the people that want to play into a certain amount of time slots and uh, so the first thing we do, like a month or so ago, six weeks, okay, it's time to get some people. So we say, well, who's playing now locally? Who's from here? Who's Who do we like? Who have we heard? Who's active? Who is interested and passionate? And then uh, so chances are, like, if we don't know that you're really talented or wanting to perform and you, you're not out there in some way where we could find you or see you, then we're, we don't know to call you. So we find 
And we've done it so many years that a lot of people that have done it will <coughs> go ahead and ask before, you know, hey, I'm, I want to do this again, you know. And so if they are local. And, and can I reach out and ask you right now if I can do this? Well, I believe we already submitted the list. Oh, well, you're getting the talent show. I want to get on for next year. Just go ahead and I'll go ahead and stamp me in for next year. Slot me in. I want to get a review. I will, we I will bring this to the uh, group that does the picking and and the uh, all that and and I will come because we'll I'm, I'm not a single voice on it. But uh, I, your request is heard, accepted, and will be moved forward through the process. And it would be an honor. What Thank is the Musicians Guild? Is that the correct name? The Philadelphia and the Shelby County Musicians Guild. What are what are the origins of that group, and what are the intentions and the the ultimate goal of the group? Well, um, you know, something like uh, 12, 13 years ago, a group of people from Philadelphia got together, and we all formed. Many of us, we're talking about a giant room full of people. We formed the Philadelphia and Shelby County Music Association. And uh, over the next few years, we put on benefits and uh, things like that. And and it sort of came about because of the Magnolia Music Festival that uh, Ben, Hardy, and myself and many other people put on for a few years, you know. And uh, so born out of that music festival at the old Magnolia, which is the porterhouse now, you know, a music association was born. And many of... uh, Local musicians and music-minded people and interested parties came to the meetings, and we formed a board, and we did a whole bunch of cool stuff, and we applied for and got a 501c3 nonprofit status, and uh, we kept that, and we raised money through playing concerts and all this sort of stuff, and then, uh, you know, that went on for a while, and it kind of died down after that for a while, and, uh, you know, until a few years later, it was kind of... Just kind of, we had it, but we weren't that active. Uh, myself and a handful of the original members, you know, it was like, well, we need to do something with this more than we're doing with it right now. We kind of got it, you know, so let's keep it and move it forward. So we reached out to everyone that we could from the original membership roles and was like, hey, we're kicking it back up, you know. And uh, we put it out there in a public way, and we called it at this point the Musicians Guild, which seemed to be a little more descriptive than an association. Right, right. And uh, we started running the board and offering services. And at that time, we got real, real active. We started giving free music lessons to people after school and stuff. Their folks would bring them out to the BFW. And we would uh, be all in the big room there. And a different musician would be sitting with a different group, like teaching songwriting or guitar or vocals or whatever. And uh, or maybe, and then we'd be talking about how to do uh, copyrights and any questions that they may have. We did that, and we put on a bunch of benefits out of the VFW, which, you know, we, we, another thing we did was we recorded, <clears throat> we also, the guild worked in the LS Theater, like doing lots of benefits, you know, when we were back before it was with the new, you know, the museum, we were just still trying to keep the roof on it, and, you know, the Arts Council did run that, the, the, the Arts Council from town here, you know, which I'm, a, I'm on the board currently. But uh, so we assisted. I'm not saying we put the roof on it, but we played some benefits where money from that went to the upkeep and the restoration of the Ellis before the museum came around. And we recorded a bunch of those shows, uh, too. You know, all of our local people were coming and playing, and mostly local. And we had one uh, person from uh, 
who now lives in New Orleans but is originally from here, who's an amazing artist, come and out of this one particular live recording, we're listening to the playbacks out at, I think it's maybe my studio, and uh, maybe it was Shadow Light. And we were like, this is so amazing. This particular one, one 25 minute set right here is like world class, but like over 1%. Awesome. Well, so we contacted the artist and like, Hey, you, you got a real good cut. You know, when we, I played that night too, but I can tell you my cut went as good as this cut. It was, everything was brilliant. The audience was interacting. There's lots of love there. Most of the songs are original. There were a couple of cover songs, which are done originally. We said, Hey, you got a good cut. You know, we want to, the guild, we, we want to help you do something with it. And we, uh, none of the songs are copyrighted. None of, nothing was legal. So we said, well, the first thing we got to do for you, the artist, is uh, copyright this stuff in your name. All this, we're not keeping none of this. This is all through you. So we copyrighted it all for the artist. You know, there was fees there. We uh, paid for the two cover songs, the proper licensing fees to let them be played on the internet and to be sold. We paid for all that legally. Uh, we got the artwork done. We pressed a bunch of CDs all for the artist. And uh, we is got there that. something that was seen in this particular artist that the guild looked at as, for back of lack of a better word, worth the investment? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this this particular disc that is uncirculated to this day, it's uncirculated. Maybe a few copies got out. See, because this was, it's just one of the things we. When I say it's uncirculated, I mean it's largely like we the guild sold some CDs to pay the pay back some of the money that we spent on it, and the artist agreed to let us sell a handful of CDs. But we didn't need much to pay back this these licensing fees, and the you know the records weren't very much. We did it pretty close, pretty smart, and on a budget, so the guild money didn't come out too much. And we recorded it and mastered it, and did all this for free anyway, you know. And uh, we did pay for it to be mastered, but uh, so we didn't spend a lot. We sold enough back to pay just the expenses that we put out on it and gave the artist all the rest of the CDs. Well, most of them, except for there's a few back for historical purposes that the artist knows we have in case like we're going to have a uh, membership drive the first one in years on, I think it's Thursday, June 2nd at the VFW. And uh, I'm just not a big promoter of like on social media. It's one of my downsides, but I'm currently the president I'm the president of uh, the Musicians Guild now. We met last month and I was voted as the, and I've been one before. So I was secretary before that. So now I'm the president. We're going to do a little membership drive. We might have a few of those special CDs I just discussed there by the artist permission for sale for a little bit of fundraising for the guild. And that's literally the only place you're going to ever hear them or get them like anywhere is, you know, I got a little, I got a box left over that I, held you know yeah for later purposes so, so is it is it we safe, did to that. S- safe to say that y'all have taking on taking on taking on the responsibility of getting the artists on their feet so to yeah speak, we, want, sh- we want especially when we recognize like world-class talent that's very special that deserve that the world deserves to hear <clears throat> that the art itself deserves to live you know why how could you deny that i mean in this particular record will blow your socks off. And it's not just the music parts, which are awesome. And by the way, that guitar that I just played on this beginning of this show is the exact guitar that is played on that set because I let the artist borrow my guitar for that set. And it was that guitar you just heard. It appears 
in that, and that's a Taylor 31099. It, it's it's great. You know, the tones, everything is good. So my guitar is actually a little famous, more famous than me, uh, as far as that record goes. But then, uh, but it's like that you can hear the audience interaction, like at the beginning and end of the songs, you know, the crowd participation in the Ellis. It's a historical piece, a picture in time of stamp that was taken in that old theater leading up to now it being renovated for, you know, the museum and for that kind of use, which is awesome because it's, they're doing tremendously amazing, fabulous things up there. But we got one of the last live recording shows, one of the last ones in that old theater before it all changed. Who's the artist? The artist is Lola Darling, also known as Lola Jean Darling. Has Lola not pursued a career in music after being, uh, you know, discovered by the Guild and uh, well, working in collaboration uh, with one another? Lola wasn't discovered by the Guild. Um, I wouldn't say we discovered Lola. <laughs> she was brought to y'all's attention. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At some point. That's a badass name, by the way, the Guild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he kind of sounds kinda like the... Yeah, uh, mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Crow, you know. Yes, sir. Um, I found Lola at the Echo Lounge one night. I was playing a show with all around hounds and Lola mm-hmm. walked through the door, come freshly from uh, uh, a train car, as in like one of the kinds with the doors open that you hop in for free and ride around the country on, came straight from there, walked into the Echo. And uh, later, someone asked if Lola could play on stage. And I'm like, sure. And then Lola gets up, grabs that guitar, the one I played earlier, and plays original work. And I was completely blown away by the quality. And I became a big fan and a follower um, and a friend for years. So when it came time to do any show, we did lots of shows, and we would always get Lola to come and play uh, at all our stuff. And, and this one, like the magic happened on, on air, and we got it. And uh, the uh, cover of that record, as a matter of fact, uh, I did uh, the artwork for her. And I don't 
didn't think I put, I'm pretty sure I didn't say on the CD that I put, that I did the artwork because I just kind of left it out. So since the work is copyrighted <laughs> and everything is buttoned up from a legal, legal. Yeah. legal standpoint, what would be stopping Lola from distributing that music to streaming platforms? Absolutely nothing. And uh, we've discussed it. And most likely, I was saying when I get, when I drop the All Around Hound stuff that I should have done dropped, I will drop the uh, Lola stuff too uh, through whatever format, you know, I do. And because uh, I still do keep in touch. There is such a thirst, regardless of industry. In my opinion, and, and it'll be done through permissions when I do it. You know, shout out Lola. There's a there's a thirst for authenticity and originality, regardless of what industry you're talking about. Entertainment, the corporate world. It's very hard to be authentic in yourself because you have to walk that line of protecting somebody else's profit. And but when you have these independent artists, whether it be podcasts, content creators across the board, that are not anchored down by the dollar you get more original content and the fact that she has all of her stuff copyrighted and buttoned up legally thanks to the guild she now can go distribute that music and i think it would be a hit i i hadn't known you very long daniel but i've known you long enough to know that i trust your taste and uh evaluating talent oh these songs are on fire so I think it would. I said all that to say that I think it would be a, a hit because people are yearning for that originality and that that authenticity. Yes, and I want to piggyback off that and add something to that. What is what? How would you describe that one it factor that said person had or has? Um, how would you describe it for the audience? I would say that person would would have you know natural talent uh, or also. You know, something that's clear that they worked on, they developed their talent, you know, over a period of time. And, uh, but the most important thing is uh, authenticity, authenticity, authenticity. Authentic people, authentic ideas, you know, put out in the world after and during lots of hard work to make, make it as good as possible. And mostly they, they're so passionate about their work that they will do almost anything to see it live. And, uh, you all and many other things, but you know, the lots of rehearsal and practice and lots of dedication and all these, when all these things meet with talent, with a great talent that is, is undeniable. Um, that's, you can almost recognize that instantly, uh, anywhere you go. And, uh, especially, you know, I just love the originality part. You know, I, I want to know what your story is and what your, your talents are at, at the top. And I don't, it's just fine. I'll be entertained if you're imitating somebody else. I'll still be entertained and I'll still appreciate your, what you're doing, but I really want to see deep, deep down in your soul inside the seventh fold of the seven fold fence. And I appreciate everything you just said about the, how deep you just took it right there. Alan, I'm interested in your perspective on whether or not you think, a legitimate underground music industry can be built. Yes, because I'm building it. Uh, as Daniel mentioned earlier, I have thrown three music festivals at my house in Kennedy. Uh, each year it gets a little bit better. It gets a little bit bigger. And what's the name of it? Porch Fest. This one was Porch Fest 22. 
Uh, we had two different food trucks, uh, had 15 different artists, had two bands. And we had uh, the Stiff Tones that came all the way down in their Hearst. That's what they tour in. Uh, all the way down from New Hampshire to play this. How did y'all get hooked up with them? The podcast. Oh, yeah? We met. So one of the greatest things that I ever did for Porch Talk was I entered the NPR Tiny Desk Concert Series. That's where you just upload a video to NPR, and then you get thrown into these uh, groups on social media to where you can interact with one another because you're all in the same contest. So I just told them all, I got this podcast, and I like interviewing musicians. And uh, if you're not local to Alabama, Mississippi, I'll get you on a Skype call right now, and we'll get this interview going. And so I snagged interviews from Boston, California, New Hampshire. Um, and so, and then it began. Uh, Do you find the virtual interviews to be less intimate than yes. in person? And it's, it's, it's a bit harder. Uh, so I don't try to press as hard. Because this this is a more intimate thing, and I can I can feel the room, and I can feel you, and I know if I'm pushing buttons, and also there's a delay. So after on a Skype call, I say something, there's a pause, and then you're speaking, and then I have to take that in, and so it's it's a weird dynamic. It is me and uh, LaMichael Sam Carter, the third evangelical Christian. <laughs> uh, did I, a, I like that? We did a virtual. <laughs> conversation at the beginning of the county line i'm talking like first three or four episodes maybe mm-hmm. and i wanted to learn how to do it number one and i thought that it was and it is a viable option but it was a uh, very difficult to have the most authentic conversation possible and i understand that sometimes it's just it, if the guest is just too good to pass up or mm-hmm. you got to you know you're trying to use not solely someone's marketability, but they are a good spotlight for the message that you're trying to push and, you know, gain popularity. Let's not kid ourselves. We all want to, that's right. We all want to grow. And, um, I just feel much more comfortable as you've alluded to having a conversation with someone in person, because I can read those body gestures and that body language and, uh, facial expressions much more naturally in real time, physically with that person, as opposed to being electronically. The delay is the thing that throws me off the most mm-hmm. because the the interjections and the interaction is it's just thrown out of whack. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so uh, another thing that I like to do, and I mean this is testament here, but uh, the interview that I did with Daniel, I drove to Daniel, and so I I try to go to my guests. I don't make them come to me or any of that because I want them to feel as at home because they're at home as possible so that all those veils and talking about uh, the seven-fold fence, I've already got past a couple of those folds and we can get to the heart of the issue a lot quicker. Yeah, I I have found that I do the same thing, but but I do it out of necessity. If it was up to me, Mm -hmm. I would have everybody sitting right here in this room having a conversation just like we are right now because um, when I am on someone else's turf, I am not as good of a interviewer and conversationalist because I'm less prone to being not disrespectful, but pushing buttons in someone else's territory. Um, 
I don't want to, you know, like when I was with Sid Salter, we did it in his uh, office at Mississippi State on Mississippi State's campus. It's this big, it's the old president's office. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's just immaculate. He's got this table in there, this office table with these chairs around it. He's got cowbells all over the wall and books. I mean, it's just, I told him when I walked in, I said, Mr. Sid, I said, if I could pick an office, this is what it would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just massive. And he was like, yeah, it was a. It was the uh, the president's office until I think he said like four or five years ago or something. But there was just a level of um, respect and uh, decency that I wanted to present to him because he took time out of his day, brought me in his office, and I still pressed on a couple of things that that he had to say and, and questioned him on some things. But I was not as objective as I feel like I am when I'm in my own house. And that may be weird, but it's just how I feel. And I want to give the audience the most authentic conversation. And so I feel like for them to receive the best product, it's best for me to have people in the in the house uh, when possible. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. In the house. In the house. You already know what it is, cuz. But So what, do you, what did you think about my man's music? Lee let you hear some of his uh, some of his artwork. Yes, yeah, he I, blessed you with someone. I thought it was uh, fantastic. What do you? Who do you think he resembles? What do you? I mean, as an artist, who'd you compare? Well, him to? I think he's very original. Uh, I, I I do. I don't I don't think I would hazard <laughs> to compare to do any any dangerous <laughs> comparisons. I couldn't think um, of one either. But uh, yeah, no, I I I thought the music that you're talking about has got a real got a real strong uh has has real strong bones to it that's one thing i said about i like it. the flow it's uh it flows it's entertaining it's it's uh it's on the right frequency and uh you know i really dig it a lot there's some there's some things we got to do tlc wise to some from a production standpoint i feel like that we need to uh address but i do feel like our our uh, lyricism and arrangement arranging of songs is getting better it's become a lot more cohesive it has a lot less of well i don't have to ask you i kind of already know i can tweet here there boom do man you word. need to do something with that damn torch you keep you knocking that motherfucker it. over i mean the, the whole time, time so you're the, you're the co-host man you're the punching bag i, I know i definitely yep i'm i'm uh who am i skip bayless come on no I ain't like you're that. shannon shore <laughs> I, you know, I was in school at Alcorn, and uh, yeah, I met some people there that knew Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is a stand-up dude. I love Shannon Sharp, but he'd but he be getting taken to school by Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless he be does. serving his motherfucking ass. He does. Every time. Some of the stuff gets too, like, um, personal on those, uh, talk, those talk shows. It gets, I know it's like, um, it's whatever, you're, they're selling it, but I mean, it's it's tough. I don't like that format. Like, just get on TV and holler at each other. Yes. Just get on TV and I'll just let this guy disrespect I, me and then they'll, I'll be I the bad guy it. and we'll do it again tomorrow. Like, but people <laughs> must people must watch it or ESPN is just so big that it doesn't matter. Like, they're on regardless. And so their advertising space is just valuable because they were first. I tell you, someone I do like as a podcaster and as a color commentator, Pat McAfee. Remember he punted for the Colts. I know. I, I know who you're talking about. That would fly down on kickoff and smack your ass, dude. <laughs> Everything. That dude, he wrestled in WrestleMania. Did you see it? 
Okay, I didn't I didn't get into wrestling until I, about four years ago. I didn't, I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid. So I became an adult and I started oh, watching man. it. When I was a kid, oh, I watched, I was I watched the, like the Rock and Roll Express, you know, The Road. Oh, I'm going back, dude. And I got to say, like, Macho Man and O Savage. The Road Warriors. Oh, I'm, I'm Shawn Michaels' guy. I'm, the, I'm, a, I'm a attitude area. Dusty Rhodes. You know um, how you made it? Um, you would love Kevin Gordon. He loves Dusty Rhodes. He made me watch oh my highlights all night going. Kevin uh, Gordon and Daniel Sharp in a, in a room together talking about if wrestling. Talked about Dusty Rhodes. Yes. Y'all would hug immediately. That's a piece of uh, conversation <laughs> that needs to be recorded. Yes, ask Jeff Stewart about wrestling. Oh, really? Is he, he big a wrestling he fan? He knows all about it. He when he was working with Pearl River, like uh, uh, he got to to spend quite a bit of time with wrestlers. Like in, I don't know exactly why, but I've seen the photo album of of him and these classic wrestlers, and they're all getting their. That you could, the wrestlers were, were uh, more excited about getting their picture made with Pearl River than the Pearl River was about getting their picture made with the wrestlers. You know? I, I had somebody, I heard somebody describe uh, wrestling as being redneck soap opera, and I had never thought about it in that context before. Like I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of wrestling coming up either. I just always looked at it as being fake and like just leaving it, taking it at face value, like oh, it's fake, whatever. Uh, it's not real, so I don't want to watch it. Man, but let me do the people's elbow on you. There's a storyline. See how fake it is. There's a storyline, <laughs> and the storyline is what sells because people get entrenched by that story. Oh, that's right. It's a big dance up there. Jimmy it's, Super it's, a, it's, a, it's a big. It's a big production. That's the fake aspect. There's of no it way for that sure, I was not going to say that. I don't even. I don't know a lot about <laughs> wrestling, but when I heard that analogy, I was like, you know what? Now it makes sense why so many people like it. Because there is a story being told, and us as humans, us as humans, we like to hear a story. Like, look at music, look mm-hmm. at books, look at we like fucking stories, and so it doesn't matter necessarily what context it comes in, whether it's storytelling or music or books or wrestling. A story still being told, or a soap opera, or soap opera. People get people. There's a lot of shit that'll resonate with people that hadn't even been created yet, as far as like. And I think original content and the technology that we have to be able to just sit here and bullshit and broadcast our everyday life, there's a there's a market there. That really is. And it's crazy like to talk about uh, just a brand new story like this overtook Joe Rogan as being number one, but it's it's that new Batman podcast where they're just telling stories out I of Batman. I saw that. And I'm like, personally, that's not my jam, but Obviously, it is a lot of people's jam, right? I haven't heard it, but I mean, what do you mean stories what, about Batman? Yeah, so they're taking the Batman universe and all the lore and all of that, and they're just developing and crafting new stories and letting you know, like, the history, some of the uh, smaller villains maybe you didn't know about. I haven't listened to it, so I, that is base level all I can give you. I hadn't listened to it either. I just saw that it. I look at those. Uh, My ratings. roommate won't shut the hell up about it. I know that. I look at those ratings every now and then, and uh, I saw where Batman overtook Joe Rogan, and to overtake Joe Rogan in today's day and time, it's going to take a Batman. Yeah, it's going to take some some good shit. So whatever they've done, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it a point to go listen to it. Which I don't. Y'all forgive me. I'm not a I'm not a big Marvel uh, action figure uh, superhero. Guru, just I don't have anything against it. Just didn't grow up doing it. Never took an interest in it. Same, um, but there are a lot of people that do, and it's obvious when you look at the, the the Batman podcast, for example. And then you know they keep recreating. They have different Spider Mans and different Batmans and different 
people to play these roles and they come up with, I guess, a different variation of the story each time they come out with a new movie. And it's just, they've created a brand. And the technology gets way better. This forever, this is going to live forever. I mean, generations will die out and Spider-Man will still fucking exist and still make a lot of money. I mean, growing up, I only cared about two things. Baseball and music. I met Spider-Man when I was about four years old and I walked up to him and I said, I asked a question. I said, how do you, how do you climb the walls? And he said, very carefully. <laughs> very smart man. Did you refer to him as uh, Peter or Spider-Man? I just called him Spider-Man. He was in costume, and I didn't want him to know that I knew who he was. <laughs> What's Spider-Man's name? Peter Parker. Peter. Peter. What's Batman's name? Bruce Wayne. Bruce yeah. Wayne. Peter Parker and Bruce Wayne. There was a Two guy. separate universes, by the way. One yes. night I was in Jackson, Mississippi at the Whataburger on County Line. It was me and Harper, and we had been to a concert or something. It was like 3.30 in the morning, and we were in there getting our uh, honey butter chicken biscuit, and there was this this homeless man in there, and I struck up a conversation with him. Just It was me, Harper, and this homeless guy, and uh, I started talking to him, and he asked me my name, and I told him and told him what we'd been doing that night, and so then I turned the conversation to him to find more – find out more about him and I asked him what his name was and he told me Bruce Wayne and I didn't know who the fuck Bruce Wayne was I knew who Batman was but I didn't know Batman was Bruce Wayne and then uh, my buddy was up there ordering while I was talking to the homeless guy and then we sat down to eat he was like so what homeboy over there had to say and I was like oh, he just told me his name was Bruce Wayne and he thought it was the funniest thing I mean he fell out laughing and I was like hey, what the fuck you laughing at and after he got done laughing hysterically, he was like, Bruce Wayne's Batman, blah, 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 blah. So this homeless dude was just sitting there fucking with me the whole time. Dude, I have a funny story. There was a guy, I'm not going to name the town because people may remember this cat, and I, I'm not disparaging him. He wasn't all there. Like, elevator didn't go all the way to the top. All he did in town, he used to drag a chain. He was one brick short of a full load. That's right. Or maybe a couple. Mm-hmm. And so one day my buddy asked him, he said, why don't you drag that chain all over town? He said, well, I can't push it, can I? True story. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The he, he answered, I don't think that's what the guy was asking. No, but, but it is an answer. Did he, did he give his motive behind or his intent mm. as it pertains to the chain? Mm-hmm. He just left it at that. That's all it was said. Can't push it, can I? And just moved on. Kept on dragging it. Daniel, how many bandanas do you have? A couple of dozen, at least, if not more. Do you? How long do you keep a uh, a bandana? It's unusual times, you know. Depending on. Do you have a favorite? Favorite bandana? Not uh, not really. Um, I like all a lot of my bandanas. I like. Uh, there's one particular one that's got. Red, white, and black in it. You'll like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Philly high till I die. Yeah, <clears throat> I really like that one, and uh, I hope I don't lose it. Or how long have you had said bandana? I've had that bandana about I don't know, seven, eight years, probably. Yeah, damn, <clears throat> I'd lose bandana. I couldn't keep seven, eight years. Yeah, I like that bandana. I got a pink bandana that I I just found down at the fairgrounds. Uh, we went down to clean the cabin up a couple of days ago, and I found a pink bandana, and I'm like. Don't remember, don't know who, whatever, but I'm like, never know when I'm going to need extra. So I brought it home, washed it, and I put it in my, you know. Is your relationship with bandanas similar to the relationship David had with swords? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, I will I will leave bandanas around. I will leave picks around. I, some cases I leave guitars at places. You know, you I left a here. pick over here. You need to be back. You need to be mm-hmm. back to, to to bless us with some art. Yeah, well, I hope it's a blessing. It's certainly something. It's some some physical action that I'm putting out in the world. So no. what we got? What we got planned for tonight? Oh yeah, go ahead. Hmm. This is going to be fun. All right. Well, I get to uh, get involved. We got a, a few more things to talk about. And then we'll talk about tonight. Okay. We're talking about the fair. And, yeah. you know, I'll open that, open that thing with a little bit of a hat tip to the fair. You right, know, that right. Song. And uh, I probably had intended on talking more about it. But, you know, we all look forward to We, as in we, people who go to the fair, we all look forward to the fair, especially people with cabins or who go to cabins. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know. That's part of it, and I want to. We, we talked about the first Friday fair lineup. We we touched on it earlier. I've got it right here, and uh, let's hear. It. We're gonna have uh, Garrett Johnston, Lake and Winstead, uh, Zachariah Lloyd, mm-hmm. Maddie Williams, Chrissy Long, Lauren Gwen Posey, Ben McDaniel, Philip Sable, Mitchell Presley. Uh, I'm gonna play a couple myself. Woo woo! So, what you gonna play? <laughs> I never know. Oh, you know what I want? You know what I've been waiting on? I heard, but but I always I'll have to get a confirmation on that just since I don't play the wrong one. Oh, I want to hear are these awful. are these people uh, that you just named primarily from Neshoba County? Everyone mostly well, not, on this. Not, there, you know, we've got bitch. we got as far away as Union. You know, we have shout out to the U. Spent uh-huh. half my life in the U. So, uh, out of that group, there's some talented folks in there. Super, uh, the, oh, the whole group. Oh, you know, everybody in there. Very yeah, talented. Absolutely. And we got a couple from out of town. That'd be Zach and Mitch. And uh, both of those guys are Oxford, too. You know, world. I've heard Lake and Winston can sing. Never heard oh, her sing, but I've heard she's, she, she has pipes. She's she star, she is star quality. She is that nice. good. Yeah. Absolutely. She's played up there quite a few times. Shan my- came on the podcast and had a very productive conversation back. Matter of fact, that live thing we did at the at the Ellis that we recorded, she is she got recorded too at that several many years ago. And I've got that in my files and I'll I'll be willing to bet you that Shan or Lakin or nobody's got her performance that was really great there. That exi- that also exists as well. Does she record? Uh, well, she got recorded that night. I'm saying, like in a formal setting or in a uh, concerted. I heard effort. about any uh, recordings. <clears throat> so, would you? Would do you think you could, could collaborate with Mr. Lee over here? Um, I'm quite sure I could. What? What do you? What do y'all think? Y'all what kind of vibe? Y'all think, would y'all be on? I think it probably. I've thought about this. I think it would probably end up in the very nappy roots ish. Yes. Y'all familiar with Nappy Roots? I, I see it be a little more electronic than that, though. Nappy Roots is a uh, hip-hop group from Kentucky. Uh, uh, my thing maybe, maybe like Urban Resistance. I don't know who that is. See, we have very but different That's just taste. a word I just made up. Urban Resistance? Yeah. <laughs> to describe our sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by resistance, I don't mean resistance to... Yes, I Urban agree with settings, you. but I mean a resistance yes. that lives within it. I, I agree. It, it, it's a expression of where we come from with some resistance tinged in there too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like resistance fighters. Yes, yes, uh, that'd be interesting. I, I, the beats that I find to be most conducive to my feeling, soul, vibe, style 
are the ones that are heavily guitar heavy, uh, whether it be a blues beat or a, a country beat, southern soul beat. The the existence of a guitar, for whatever reason, coupled with a little trap beat, you know, some snares and some bass, uh, is my favorite. And I think Daniel's guitar, probably Alan's as well, uh, would mesh nicely in certain instances with some of our lyrics. And I think one of the beautiful things that we're allowed to do now in music is be able to take something and Mr. Daniel Sharp or whoever. Sample it. Yeah, sample that and then it be in music, you know, 50 years down the road that we don't even know about. I think that I just think that's very unique. And Have you guys sampled cool. any All Right Hounds yet? I uh, know because I'm waiting on the four disc track. <laughs> I mean, Nathan Cheney won't stand for nothing less. He's negotiating with you, Daniel. <laughs> oh, I am. Back and forth. We're at the negotiating okay. table. I, I, everybody I just, knows I can be bought pretty cheap. <laughs> I just committed another party foul, so I'm probably in trouble already. But I'll be all right. God damn it. Did you spill something? As long as it's not in money. Dude, you are. No, I didn't spill it. The thing, it, it, it was in the freezer and overflowed. I'm sorry. Idiot. He, he is a full-blown maniac. Is what he is. He, uh, when we were, Studio Studio was sitting in the chair you are right now, and Mike was sitting in that chair. We were talking, it was like 10 or 15 minutes into the conversation. And, uh, he has these black latex gloves on because he's trying to. Saw those in the chair over there, and I didn't want to ask. For, yeah, for why? Had to move those to set the chair up. He's trying to quit biting. I'm going to go for it. Trying to quit biting his fingernails. And you need to you need to put them back on. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll tend to it later. Well, I mean, I'm just going to sit this down. I'm already brought it in. Well, it poured right into the laptop. You probably should do something about it. Yeah, you need to. Uh, I like Coors Lights cans. <laughs> Don't quit heckling me. I remember. So, and I'm I'm going to hold you to it. If you forget about me in the gill, you and the gill forget about me. It's gonna be war. <laughs> it's gonna be war. Right. You heard it here first, Sam Crow. Yeah, yeah, you heard it. You know, all you gotta do is join the guild, right? What you gotta do? No, no, no. Actually, I mean, being everything? in the guild has nothing to do with getting on the fair. Not at all. Oh, that's yes. I mean, we appreciate it if you want to join, and, and we got lots of things to do. So come on, June second to our <laughs> membership be- drive out at the VFW, and we'll join you right up. But you absolutely don't have to be in the guild to get on at the fair. We just gotta know about you some way. And uh, and then we listen to what you're doing, and maybe we come see you and all this, and then and plus, you know, we got to know, we we have to know that you're going to come and play when you say you are, because this is going into the program at the fair. Your name will be on the program, and like so, the one, you know, you don't want to put your name in the program at the fair and then you know flake out or whatever. So like we we, we we are a filter. We make sure that who says they're going to be there, you know, has. You know the goods. Is there know, a surgically, yeah. and that they're actually going to show up and do the work? And you know, mostly it's hometown. That's our. We go as hard as we can to get those, and then we add a couple people from out of town if we got some slots. That's what we always do. So, there's also a pool that you can pull from, and you're well aware of this, I know. But for the people listening, that there are people in surrounding counties that go to the Neshoba County Fair and have cabins and traditions and history, whether it be Newton, Kemper, Winston, uh, Leak, those are the surrounding counties directly. And then Lauderdale, there are people and families that have gone to the fair for generations. And so you have that pool to pull from, that talent pool of 
surrounding counties and it's not just limited to you know, I mean a lot county. of times after the show or during the show on the Friday someone will walk up and say hey this is great I want to play next year and then we we remember that and put them down we check with them and most importantly if they're already out doing something visible then it's it's, it's easy to find them and to know they're doing it you know otherwise we'll check with them and see what's going on and then we'll try to put them in a slot what do you and th- some slots are 15 minutes and some slots are 45 minutes it's just, we kind of break it up however we need to what do you think about the guild or maybe it's a page totally unassociated with the guild, but has the guild's content on it on YouTube, having these performances videoed and uploaded to this page to fund the guild, the guild to the proceeds go to the guild. Only the guild. Well, I mean, I like that idea. Maybe not for the pavilion. Cause you know, I mean, I thought it would be okay. There'd be nothing wrong with that, but uh, what would be wrong with that? There would be nothing really wrong with it, but you know, I got a lot of other jobs besides doing the video. When you, you, as you know, when you start doing production. And also, now you got to remember that. Uh, you, I'm not saying you do it personally, yeah. Daniel. I'm saying like we just, if we could find a way to make that happen yeah. and not put, in, put any more on the the guild's plate than is already there. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and I would think uh, in an official capacity, if we were going to try to do something like that, we would have to pass that. We would want to pass that through the fair board before we just jumped on top of doing something like that. Sure. And I'm sure it'd be, it probably might be okay, but I always look for the proper thing up front. And, you know, they're, if we're going to, as a 501c3, start trying to do something, you know, it would have to be official. And uh, <clears throat> we, we, as the guild, aren't, we're not the official bearers of that Friday. We, uh, we are a group of people that assist the fair board in doing this. But what if so you, that's not our day, the guild on, you know, we're just privileged enough to be asked to help. So and let's we, take we appreciate the, that. Let's take the fair out of the equation. And yeah, just exactly. say, yeah, take the fair out of the equation and what you described doing anywhere would be a great idea. And, you know, possibly even some content from there, but yeah, just take the fair out of it. It's that's kind of special. I don't want to do anything to mess up our opportunity to, to fill that stage up on Friday. So, you know, I like, I kind of like it the way it is. It's kind of, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's real cool and it's real authentic and real, you know, down to earth sort of easy and old school. And uh, I, I kind of harken back. I love the days when there weren't cell phones, you know, sometimes. I wish. You know, the and the show will change. If you're filming the whole thing, it's all going to change. You know, if you're not just getting to cut loose and have fun. And not that people don't film it and share it. And they will. And that's perfectly fine. But that's totally different than an organization the thing to do, doing it, like that. you know, the thing, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that'd be a whole other set of stuff. It's a personal thing, but like uh, comics uh, specifically, I just caught the Steve O's bucket list tour. I caught him down in Mobile, and like rule number one, right before he came out on stage, if security sees a phone, you will be kicked the fuck out. Yeah, I agree with that. This is original content. It is not made for you to record and put on your Snapchat or put up on your social media because you're, right. you're literally robbing. That's the way Andrew, material. Dice, Andrew Dice Clay does it. Okay, and take it further, like Jack White. You go to a Jack White show, unless it's a festival, you go to see Jack White, they have these bags. Dave Chappelle does it too. You can keep your phone, but it's going to be in this bag. Do not access that bag until you're off the grounds. You are here for an experience. Now experience it. I hate, like, personally, when my I know when my friends go see their favorite country star because their entire Snapchat is the whole fucking concert. And I was like, buddy, did you ever take a minute just to realize that you were there 
with your girl, and you could have been dancing and having a good time with her rather than just having that phone in your hand the whole time. What? There, there are positives. There are positives and negatives to it. Well, uh, how close are we to being cyborgs in real life? Exactly. I so, mean, are, is that how we're going to evolve into machines? Yes, I'm I do curious. think so. I'm not saying if that's right or wrong. I mean, we got to like chill. Coming is, is, is like uh, you know Justice like League it. of America. Yeah, I, I think in regards to what you said, Alan, <laughs> uh, when people are able <laughs> to have have that thing <laughs> in their I, hand, I wanted to join the conversation and record their experience. It does take away from the naturalness of it, for lack of a better word, and the fact that people can revisit that moment in time, sure, um, which can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. There's something special about being somewhere in person and it not being recorded to where it cannot be accessed after that moment in time. I understand that aspect of it, but I also understand the value of capturing uh, authentic situations, and I, as you do as well, because Porsche talk. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what you, to me, it sounds like started it based off of to capture real content mm-hmm. and and put it out to people. But as far as performances go, especially uh, comedians and musicians, that is hard work that they put in and go out there to perform, and they don't want, I would imagine, to be slighted of that hard work in the way of monetary gains. And so once you're able to go out there and record some piece of content and then redistribute it, regardless if you're making money off of it or not, it's taken away from the experience that the artist created in the environment and the vibe. And But I do think that if the artist is has somebody like Daniel Sharp on their side to where they copyright it, make sure everything's buttoned up, make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be from a legal standpoint, that you can take that video content and you know fulfill the potential of it from a monetary standpoint and mm-hmm. a, a nostalgic standpoint. Mm-hmm. What you got going, Daniel? Y'all smell that? It smells like Uncle Larry to me. Oh, I wasn't thinking about Uncle Larry at all. <laughs> Uncle Larry's not. I really just picked this guy up to prop on it. <laughs> I uh, like it. But no, I, I, I'm following what you're saying. And here's the thing if you're properly, as an artist, say you're properly copyrighted, your music's, your work's copyrighted, you know, um, eventually people that put these videos up there, if the people that represent those big artists don't want them up there, they're going to come off. You know, they will be off of there eventually, you know. Um, if their stuff is properly secured. So, you know, you, you may have the video on your phone and show it around your house and on your own PC, but like if you start sharing it around some of the big platforms, it's not going to hold. It's then, un- unless that, you know, some artists don't care. They could care. I've been at the fair a bunch of the times when like some of the artists have been like, pull out them cell phones, you know, <laughs> put your light on, you know, record all of this. Cause this is what I want you to do. Put share me everywhere. And I'm like, dang, you know, it's just a different, uh, there are different ways of looking at Get it on like, my because you can look at it as somebody stealing your content, but you can also look at it as free marketing. That's right. Because, okay. you know, they may, uh, put something on their story or, on social media that introduces that work to somebody else who was unaware, who otherwise would not have discovered said artist. And then you just gained a fan, a customer, um, yeah. without any, uh, Man, I videoed, any I pulled cost. out my Android. I videoed the entire show and then I shared it all over the internet. 
And I've got a I've got a record coming out in August. Oh yeah, uh, none of that that I mm-hmm. just said. <laughs> it's no, I heard it, but I didn't do it. I didn't share it. I didn't video any of the thing. I didn't put it on social media, and I didn't share it. I mean, your last performance at Porch Fest at my house. Oh, I, I'm talking about. I things. recorded the whole thing. Oh yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I knew you recorded my my set. I was I'm, talking about something it's completely not, different. Yeah, Daniel, you're a sneaky snake on social media, and and the internet yeah, in general. I, yeah, I, I use it. I use the internet differently. If there's something you don't you post that I don't like, my response will be to post photographs of snakes under it. But see, <laughs> but what I what I'll do is I'll take them off immediately. I'll delete the picture instantly after I put it up. On the on the rare chance that you get an alert and it says alert, Daniel posted something here, and you look and it's like oh no, there's a rattlesnake, and then you go you're like what does that mean? And in a few minutes you think about it and you go back and it's no longer there, and you're like did, did I just was that really there? Deja vu. Was that ever there? This content is gone. Well, what you just got struck, buddy? I struck you. <laughs> See, I like that. I like the mentality. However, the Mamba. I, I do want to encourage uh, Mr. Daniel Sharp to be more active on the streaming platforms and the social media because people need to hear your shit. Well, and I know you, but I know you. I, I know you have the mentality that that, for lack of a better word, again, secretive approach. And whoever gets it, gets it, and they should value that and recognize how good it is. I understand that perspective. But, man, you got good shit, and I think people need to hear it. At the end of the day, you're getting more good shit to more people. That's, it's, it's, it's better. Yeah. Give us that more good shit to more people is all we yeah, want. I agree. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, rate and review the show. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're there. Keep up with uh, what we have going on. There's pictures and videos to uh, keep up with us. Porch-talk.net. You can go there. Go to the contact page if you would like to pre-order your copy of the Porch Talk vinyl. Uh, I only made 300. They're going to go fast. Uh, We'll worry about payment when they come in, but if you'll fill out that contact form, let me know who you are. I'll set it aside for you. And uh, we'll do payment uh, when they come in. Now, uh, countylinepodcast.com. You can go there to support Lee. He's got some really cool shirts. Rate and review his show. Guys, that's all I have for you. Uh, Peace out. Part two coming soon. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.